does uh, anyone remember, maybe you remember, uh, as a kid, uh, do something wrong, you know, you're picking on your sibling or, you know, your little brother or whatever, and, or maybe, you know, you get to be in your teen years and, you know, you start, you know, kind of not telling your parents where you're going to be and you're showing up later and later, missing curfews, and, and your parents get mad at you and they, you know, discipline you in different ways, but, uh, you know, maybe they'll ground you for a while. Maybe, you know, you got spanked a little bit. Maybe you got put in the corner, had timeouts. You know, maybe you lost some, you know, freedoms. You lost some things. But, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, like, the worst punishment of all was the lecture. Right? Am I right? Right? You have to sit there, and now they're going to, you know, give you this lecture for, you know, sometimes, you know, 15, 20 minutes, half hour, about your behavior and how if I continue to do this, you know, these things, how it's going to impact me in the future and how, you know, I don't know, you know, the lecture just went on and on and on. And it was always stuff like, you know, I've heard that before, like, you know, duh, I know. What do you think? I'm stupid, right? (laughs) And then, you know, as a parent, right, all of a sudden it like turns around, right? You go, oh, you know, the lecture, what a great tool. Um, (laughs) And you remember, right? You're like, oh, man, I remember when I was a kid, and I thought my parents were just like, this is just dumb. Why are you telling me this? And you're like, in your head, you don't know. Maybe you say it, but usually just in your head, you're like going, I'm telling you this lecture because you've done these stupid things. So you may know it, but obviously it ain't sinking in. Right, and so you sit with them, and sometimes I, I used to drag it out as much as I could. You know, my, honestly, my parents weren't big lecturers. Occasionally, they did, but man, I was so good at lectures, huh, honey? Oh man, my kids hated them. Man, they had eyes rolling all over the place, you know. And and every time they did an eye roll, that just meant another five minutes of lecture. Right? <laughs> it was great. Um, it's no wonder I'm a pastor, right? I always got. <laughs> Always got something to say. And today I get a lecture, you guys. Yeah. So, but really, uh, it kind of, you know, the, the topic of giving, right? I mean, this is, this is a tough topic to cover in church today. Um, you, you know, there's some churches certainly out there that, you know, they, they, uh, they've got their A game is the giving sermons, right? And, and every week they're, you know, putting the pressure on everybody. You know, if you give, you're going to get these amazing things. And so, you know, you don't you know, lock the doors. You know, no one can get out until they've given enough. But, uh, but, you know, most evangelical churches, it's kind of a different story. You know, we, we struggle preaching and teaching about giving. Uh, we recognize the tension, especially for a pastor to get up uh, where it seems to be a bit uh, self-serving, shall we say. But uh, it's also one of those topics that oftentimes we can just kind of go, yeah, we know it. We get it. We, we know what the Bible says about it. And, and so we can sit in our pews in our seats on a Sunday morning when the pastor's starting to do a message on money and giving, and we can feel like, you know, we're getting lectured, and our eyes start rolling, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I'm supposed to give, and, and so I, I, I want to encourage us this, this morning as I dive into this wonderful topic of giving uh, to, to, to try to resist the eye rolls, which will cause me to go five more minutes in my message. Um, <laughs> And instead, uh, maybe just come at this again anew and, and really just to open up our hearts to say, okay, God, what, I know, I know these things, but w- 
What is new for me today? Maybe there's something more that, that you have for me in this, this morning. That the, and, and, and a new area or a different way that you want me to view this or to come at giving and to understand it and then to apply it into my life. All right? So uh, in the Bible, money is, uh, well, actually, you know, before I get there, let me read our passage. Just so you know, I didn't pick this out of nowhere. This is just, uh, actually, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't pick it because, you know, budgets are bad and giving's down. No, we're, we're actually doing okay budget-wise, and that's great. So, uh, but I'm doing it because First uh, Corinthians just keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> In the final chapter, and uh, here's one last uh, fun topic that we've got to cover. So, 16, chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, verses 1 to 4. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the church of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper so that there will be no collection when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited, accredit by, the, by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So, the collection. I know, just four verses, Sean, and you're going to launch into a whole message on collection? Yes, I am. So, uh, the funny thing, you know, the Bible has a couple of, I think, key things to say about money, and we know these things, but let me just reiterate them, right? And we, we all know that the, the Bible actually talks more about money than any other topic, right? And, and it makes sense, especially, I think, in our wealthy culture today, uh, to go, oh yeah, well, money is kind of a big deal for us in America. Uh, but the Bible has two key things, I think, that it says. First of all, it says that money, that the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so we need to recognize this important truth, right? And it's important for us to recognize that the Bible is calling out the dangers of money. Now, money is simply a tool, and in and of itself is not evil. It's not bad. But it's the love of money that is the problem. When we desire money above other things, when we desire money above God, then we've got a problem. Then there's an issue that we need to deal with. And, and it's that love of money that does lead to all kinds of evil. I mean, we only have to look around uh, just briefly in our culture to recognize the individuals who we know maybe personally or the famous people that we know on the news or even politicians that you can tell they're driven by oh-so-powerful dollars. They're not concerned with other things as much as they're concerned with money and getting and obtaining more of it. The reality is, Jesus clearly tells us in Matthew chapter 6 that we can't love money and God. We need to choose. This is a worship issue for us. We need to choose whether we're going to strive for and live for the dollar or whether we're going to strive for and live for Jesus Christ. And again, it's not that money is bad. It's that the love of money is where we have a problem. So recognizing, first and foremost, that the Bible clearly teaches these dangers of money. But second of all, I think, and this is, this is really important perspective, is that all that exists in this world is God's. 
See, every dollar in the world is God's. Every tree, every fruit, every vegetable, every, everything in this world is God's. He made it. It's his. It's all his. And so we have to recognize this reality that all of it that we're using has all been given to us because it's his. And, and so if we have money, if we have possessions, if we have wealth, whether it be little wealth or a lot of wealth or where maybe we don't have much wealth at all, whatever we have, it is ours because of God. He gave it to us. It's his. In that, we also need to recognize it is God who decides, in essence, who will have and who will have not. Some of us, God has blessed us with lots of money, lots of possessions. Others of us, it's this constant struggle. And we're just trying to get from one day to the next. But understanding it's God who owns all of the money. But more than that, it's also God who stirs the hearts of men and women to give. See, he desires for us to not only be blessed with the possessions of his world and his creation, but he also desires for us to be blessed by giving it back. Some perspectives from the church leadership point. Understand that at the beginning of a message on giving, you need to know where we're coming from, where I'm coming from. That, that first of all, we as a church, we trust, the leadership trusts God. I trust God. I trust God for what he provides. It is not my job to fundraise. It's not my job to try to manipulate people to give more money. It's not my job to complain when there's not enough giving. To pay the bills. It's not my job to try to make this church successful financially or otherwise. I trust God. He's the one who stirs hearts. He's the one that provides. Now, when there's a need, we certainly take that to the Lord and we say, okay, God, here's the need. But we have to trust God. Just like the numbers that we have numerically as a, as a church, how big we become or how small we become, that's not us either. God's the one who adds to our numbers or subtracts from our numbers. Same with financially. And, and understand as well that, that the pastors of your church and the elders of your church do not know who gives what. There's complete anonymity. We don't know. We don't know how much you give. So if you give a lot and you come to me and you want to, you know, kind of use that influence, just understand, I have no idea how much you gave. So it's not going to influence me. But also, if you don't give anything and you feel convicted by me up here preaching a sermon on giving and think that I'm preaching it at you, I have no idea what you give or don't give or what. And, and none of us do. There's one person really in the church who has all of that information and I understand she's got a bad memory. <laughs> right, Christy? 
So, so, but it's important for you to know that. So this isn't coming out of, you know, we're not preach, I'm not preaching this message. Or we're not coming at you with a sense of, oh, we know who's given and who's not. And I'm going to spend an extra lot of time looking at those who aren't at this message. Yeah, that's right. Eye to eye. Um, <laughs> finally, but we do have a responsibility as leaders of this church and as pastor of the church to educate people on the amazing blessing of giving. And to inform you of how we are doing as a church. What's happening? You know, uh, if, if, if we're struggling to make ends meet as a church, that we would let you know that. But also, like we did a couple of weeks ago, if things are going well, we would let you know that as well. We have a, we have a duty to communicate God's truth to us, to each of us, right? To, to this church. And so that is why we preach this message today. Not just because it's in 1 Corinthians because we have a duty to do this. And so, let me get into it now. I want to answer uh, four questions this morning. Why do we give? How do we give? Who do we give to? And what do we give? So, to start with, why do we give? First and foremost, we give because God expects it. God expects us to give. It's clear all through Scripture, starting in the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, uh, uh, verse after verse after verse of God declaring the importance of his people giving, being generous, of, of giving back to him what is his. Deuteronomy 16, 17, every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he is given you. From the very beginning, we are called and expected by God to give, to give back. In the Old Testament, it was 10%. It was kind of just the standard. 10% of your crops were to be given back to the Lord. 10% of your, your, uh, your flocks were to be given back to the Lord. 10% of the fruit, the produce of your land was to be given back to the Lord. And it was always the first 10%, not the end. It was always the first fruits. And that is still the case in the New Testament. Now, the percentages, we, we can argue and, and, and discuss that maybe a little bit. Most evangelicals today don't say that 10% is, a, is a, a law, that you have to give 10%. But it's more of a standard to kind of maybe shoot for or to have an idea of where maybe we should be or close to be. So if you don't give 10%, this is not a point of guilt, but it's a point of maybe, Lord, you could continue to help me to increase my generosity to 10%. Some of us, 10% is too little. Some of us should be giving maybe 15 or 20%. But we'll get into how we should go about deciding that in a little while. But right now, just understanding that God expects that we give. Second of all, we, we give. Why do we give? We give because it's a way for us to show thanksgiving, to give thanksgiving to God. We are giving back what he's given us. He gave it to us first, and now we get to thank him by giving it back. First Chronicles 29, 16, and, and they've taken this huge collection to build God's house, right? The temple, right? And so David is here writing or, or, or talking about his relationship with God and, and this, uh, all this offering that's come in, and he says, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. 
Do you see? I mean, he has given us this. He gave them all the gold and all the silver and all the, uh, uh, the things that they had that they then could give back to be offered to build the temple. Not to mention that not only is it an opportunity for us to give thanks back to God, but when we give to people, especially the poor and the needy, it gives them the opportunity to be thankful as well because that is God's way of providing for their needs. And so it kind of just kind of snowballs down the line, right? I mean, if we are generous and give, then the person who receives that can also be generous and give and so on and so forth down the line. Another reason that we give is to combat the love of money, which in our day is strong. It's really, this is an important thing that we need to recognize. It's really easy for us as Americans to really love money and not even think about it, not even know it. We get so used to our wealth. We get so used to the possessions. We don't even think about when we buy things, whether we should buy things. We just do because it's needed, because it's the next thing. And uh, you don't want to argue whether it's quote-unquote needed or not. But the point is, do we ever ask God about it? Do we ever think, you know, do we have to buy the nicest car we can afford? Maybe we should just buy a car that'll work. Not that it's bad to have a nice car, but have we asked the question? We need to combat this love of money that's in our world and and because it's just so evident and so everywhere and we're all tempted by it. And even if we're poor, we are tempted by the love of money as well. We can look at all the things that those people around us have and we want to have those things as well. This is exactly why Americans are so indebted. It's because we want what we can't afford. And they came up with these amazing things called credit cards. You can spend your wealth that you're going to make next year or 10 years down the road. You can spend it today. But why do we do that? It's because of the love of money, the love of possessions to have all those things. So we need to combat the love of money by giving away what God has given us. When we are generous with our wealth, it helps us to recognize, oh, wait, yeah, I I actually don't need that. I I, I survived fine without that. I I didn't have to go. Actually, it was great. It felt better to give it away than to actually purchase something that I would have got a little bit of joy out of for a couple of months and then I would have forgot about. Stored in my garage. Another reason that we give is to increase our dependence on God. Again, do we ever as Americans ask the question, or even think for a moment, or have to pray the prayer, God, I need you. We can solve all of our problems, it seems, with money. That's why medical emergencies are so uh, uh, profound for us as Americans, because nowhere in our life are we have have to be dependent on God. But when it comes to medical stuff, the medical field only gets us so far, and all of a sudden, there's a point where, oh, wait, they can't fix this. And now, all of a sudden, we're faced with our death. We're faced the reality that there's nothing in this world that can fix it, and so we need Jesus. When we give generously and give from what God has given us, it helps us to be more dependent on God, especially those of us who maybe don't have much and don't feel like we can give. Story, uh, of course, of the widow's might in Mark chapter 12, right? Here's a woman who gave all that she had. Literally all that she had. 
Now, some of us would say, well, that's, that was foolish. But what did Jesus do? He celebrated that, pointed her out. It's in the Bible, right, that story, this woman who gave all that she had recklessly. She was dependent on God. Next, the reason that we give it, it that it actually brings people together. It, it brings us together in community. When we begin to give to one another, I, I mean, there's, it's hard to receive, right? I mean, as someone, you know, if you, someone gives you, you have a need and someone comes and gives you something, it's, it's always hard to receive that, right? Especially as Americans, we're so prideful, we want to be able to provide for ourselves. We feel like, oh, no, you don't need to do that. And, but, you know, it's just something about that when it happens. There's a bond that happens when we begin to, to work together on these things, when we give to someone and meet a need that is real and that's there that all of a sudden there's this community that's built. And really, this is what Acts is all talking about. Acts chapter 2, verse 45, it says they had everything in common. Those who had would sell possessions in order to give to those who didn't have so that all of them could kind of get along and make it through each day. What a beautiful picture of community and how we are meant to kind of interact with one another. It brings us together. There's, there's an appreciation and respect for those who have and are willing to share. And a respect and appreciation for those who don't have but are graciously receiving. Finally, we give because God loves generosity. And God blesses generosity. Malachi 3.10, of course, famous passage about us robbing, the Israelites robbing God by not bringing their tithes and offerings to the temple. But then at the end, God says, test me in this. Uh, Derek, you prayed. Where'd Derek go? Oh, there you are, man. He prayed this, this, this prayer, this verse, right? I mean, that, that, that God tests God in this and see if he doesn't open up the floodgates of heaven, right? That those who are generous with what God has given them, he just continues to dump on them more. Just, it's often the way it happens. He recognized those who are faithful of little will be given more. So those are many reasons why we give, and we should always keep that in mind. Important things, that God expects it, that it's a way for us to give thanksgiving to God. It's a way to combat our love of money. It's a way for us to deepen our dependence on God. It brings us together in community, and it is also a way for us to be blessed as we are generous with what God has generously given us. So the next question, how do we give? And this gets to the passage that we're at, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 4. Uh, uh, the, the verse here, there's one verse here that talks about uh, how we are to give. And there's uh, five pieces here in this one sentence. First of all, it says uh, that we are to set aside on the first day what this teaches us is that our giving should be regular. We should, we should regularly give. It, it shouldn't be something that is kind of just haphazard, but it's something that we, we purposefully prepare. And, and some have said that, you know, giving back to God is a form of worship, right? Just like singing is, just like sitting and, and hearing the word of the, of the Lord preached, just like praying is. These are all forms of worship. Well, giving is another form of worship, and that people would be encouraged to give every Sunday. 
So that's just part of their weekly routine of not just doing it once a month or once a quarter or once a year, but that there would be a once a week kind of sense that I'm going to, as part of my worship on this Sunday morning, I'm going to also offer some of what God has given me. But either way, it doesn't have to be every week, but it'd just be encouraged that it's a regular gift, regular giving. And the reality is, every time we give, right, there's, there's a thought process we have to go through, right? There's a, there's a sense that, okay, I'm, I'm choosing again. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's a rough month, and so to choose again, that might, might be a harder month sometimes to do that than others. Second, in this verse, it tells us that uh, each one of you, it says on the first day of the week, e- or e- first day of the week, each one of you. So there's a sense of universality of it, that, that all of us should seek to give. It, it's not just for the wealthy. It's for all of us, no matter where we're at. That, that each this, that this is a Christian principle. Like this, is, this is how we should live our lives each individually. Recognizing no matter where we're at in life, no matter what our income is, we, maybe it's zero, but we have a responsibility and expectation that we would also be giving and looking for those opportunities to give. part of what I love about Nancy and the, the offerings that she's beginning to take in our children's ministry, to begin to teach our, the youngest members of our church to be thinking about that and to develop that practice and to develop a, a theology and understanding of why we do that. Not to mention that they too, as believers, should be seeking to give back from what God has given them. Next, uh, he says that we should set aside a sum and that we should save it up. And the idea here is that it's systematic. That, that, that we should decide how much to give. That it shouldn't just be haphazard again. That it shouldn't just be whatever happens to be in my purse or my wallet that day. But that it's actually a systematic thing that we've thought through and we've prayed about and said, okay, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want us to give? What is, what is the amount? What's the right dollar amount for this month or for every month or for this year? Some, most people do it on a yearly basis, but some kind of systematic approach to this. Not just whatever's left over. Remember, it's supposed to be the first fruits. It's supposed to be the first crops that come. That's the part that we give back. Not just the leftovers, right? And, and, and oftentimes that's how we, we interact is we can look at the leftovers. Well, boy, you know, I, I got a lot of bills this month. I got a couple extra things. And so, boy, you know, the, the leftovers, I, I just don't, I'm not going to have any leftovers. We're not going to have as many leftovers. Next, it says that uh, we should, uh, that each one should give in keeping with his income. It's supposed to be proportionate to what God has given us. To, to give a percentage back of what God has given. Some of us, again, that, that percentage might be higher than others because of what, you know, how God has blessed us. But each of us, dependent on what God has been giving us and how God has blessed us, we should seek to give back. So it's not that everyone has to give the same dollar amount. It's like everybody has to give 100 bucks, you know, and not until everyone is given 100 bucks can, you know, you leave, Right? That's not it. It's because for some of us, 100 bucks would be really impossible. Others of us, that would be nothing. It's to be proportionate based on what God has blessed you with. And then finally, it says that there should be no, so that, so that there does not need to be a collection. 
The idea here is that it is given freely. What Paul is saying is he doesn't want to have to show up to the Corinthian church and then badger them about it. He doesn't want to have to get up and say, all right, come on, guys. We need to take this collection so we can help the, the saints. We need to, we need to, we've got people that are hurting and they're in trouble. We've got a church that's been persecuted in Jerusalem. We need to get this to them, and, and we need you guys to help out and to help provide the needs to these, these saints that we have who are, have nothing because they've been driven out of their homes. He's like, I don't want to have, he doesn't want to have to do that. Each of us should give freely. It shouldn't be something that's compulsory, that something that people are, you're forced into or you're pressured to do. Which is why, you know, most, <laughs> many churches struggle preaching a message like this because you don't want anybody to feel pressured, right? Or we're trying to manipulate anybody. And we're not, but it can seem that way when you preach a message like this. But it needs to be something that's done freely that, again, it's between you and God. That you would even ask the question, God, what do you, what do you want me to give? All right, next question to ask is who do we give to? Ultimately, we, everything we give, first and foremost, is to God. It's not to the church, it's not to people, it's to God. In Malachi 3.8, where God is talking about being robbed because they're not bringing, the Israelites aren't bringing their tithe, the, the tithe didn't go to God. It wasn't like God is sitting on his throne and saying, okay, yeah, thanks, I was really getting kind of hungry. I'm, oh, I'm glad you brought the, the good sheep. That was nice. Uh, oh, man, I really looked, that was really good, right? No, God isn't taking it, right? It was given as sacrifices, but also the priests were able to take portions of those sacrifices because they didn't have jobs, because they didn't own land, because they couldn't grow their own stuff, and so they would have, this is how they survived. But but here God is saying, uh, you're robbing me of these tithes and offering. And, and this is a perspective that we must have with giving. It's not about you, you know, robbing the church or not giving to the church so it doesn't survive. Or it's not being as, you know, it does not as, you know, uh, flush with funds as it could be. Or, or not giving to that homeless person on the street. It's, it's, that's not the first perspective. The first perspective is this is to God. That again, there's expectation that he's given this to us and the first thing we do with the first bits that we get from him is to give some of it back to him. Again, it's all his. Whether he's given it to us or not, it's still his, right? And so giving it back to him. But it is also, we do not, it's, again, overarching is we give to God, but there are a couple of people that we are instructed to give Two as well. First of all is the poor and needy. Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want. The idea is, again, that we should be generous and, and give to the poor. And there's tons of verses about giving to the poor and needy. And, and that needs to be a regular part of what we do. That we would be thinking about how we can help and, and care for those who don't have anything. And, and I think first and foremost, it happens in our church with the people that we're in you know, close relationship with. But it shouldn't just be here. It should also be looking to, you know, to the world and to that homeless person on the street, maybe, who's out in the street corner that's, that's, that's begging for food. Now, I know there's a lot of you know, people that go, well, you know, were they really hungry or not, and, and all that kind of stuff. But understand, we are not responsible for what the person that we give the funds to, what they do with it. I mean, there is some level we need to be careful, right? We don't just throw stuff away, but we need to be good stewards. But... 
If, they, if it looks right and we feel right and feel like God is leading us to give, then we should give and not worry what they do with it. So we need to give to the poor and needy. This is, you know, we have a benevolent fund in our church. People give to it regularly, and, and that's, that's a way for us as an organization to care for some of those needs. But I know there's more that's going on, and I know people in here know of other needs that are in our church, and people give to that, and, and just in their own, in their own way, and that's great. And we should be aware of that and be uh, open to those, those, those possibilities and those opportunities. But also, we had another, a third, and, and the next group, I guess, that we give to is the church, into missions. We do give to the church. More specifically, we do give to the pastors and those who are leading our congregation. This is a clear principle in Scripture. That in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul even addresses this. He says, he's, he's talking about the fact that he doesn't, he, he, he worked as a tent maker, so he didn't have to have funds. He kind of was a, you know, a, a bivocational in a sense, right? But, uh, but he also put the expectation on the Corinthians that they should be giving to care for him, for his needs, because he has devoted himself to preaching God's word and to, to going and being a missionary. And so he, he actually has a right for them to support him financially. Uh, a verse that uh, I wrote down here is uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 8 through 12, but it says, if, if we sow spiritual fruit, can't we expect that we would also reap a material reward? And he's talking about pastors and teachers and talking about, you know, those who are leading the church and missionaries who go. And so we do give to the church to provide for the salaries of those who are, you know, bringing the word to us, those who are working on our behalf in the organization, for those who are going to other lands in order to bring the gospel message. This is part of what and who we give to. All right, final question. What do we give? First and foremost, we give money and our possessions. Matthew 10, 8, freely you've received, freely give. We can, uh, we can sometimes, um, I think, weaken this message of giving by moving it away from money or possessions. And we'll get into a couple other ways of things that we can give. But I, I, I think we need to understand that it always includes money and possessions. There, there is a sense, again, that, again, it's about this whole gift, you know, the love of money thing. The idea that, again, thanksgiving to God because he's given so much to us that we would give back some, right? It, it, the, the relational aspect of it that when we give, it draws us together, right? So much of this is just money. It's not other things. It's money. It's the money side of things. We, we have to give our money and our possessions as well. But there are other things that we can give, and the reality is is some of us are rich in money and possessions. Others of us aren't, and so we may struggle to give money and possessions, but God also allows us to give other things, like time and relationship. John 13, 34, they will know us by our love. The idea is that we give time. We need to be willing, and let me say this. There's three things here. I think we need to, all of us, each of us, needs to give all three of these. It's, it's not just you pick one of these, right? All three of them, all Christians should give. So money, possessions, now we're on time and relationship. That we give time with e to each other. 
that we, we would spend that time to, to be together. Spend that time with God. I mean, how many of us wrestle with that, just having you know, a regular time where we devote a, a half hour or an hour or a little bit of time each day to, to spend in the presence of God? But this is part of what we are to offer back to the Lord. This is part. He has given us time. He's given us life. And that we should then seek to give back some of that to him and also to others. To develop the relationships. To not isolate ourselves. To actually look for genuine relationship. To listen to people. To, to have that patience to listen to that person that maybe is really hard to listen to. The offering we also have to give is of time and relationship. And then finally, I think we need to give of our skills and abilities as well. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use their gifts to serve others. God has given us abilities. He's given us spiritual gifts as well. I mean, we have these, these talents, these skills that he's given us. We are to offer those back to him. It's not because we're so great. It's not because we developed this skill that we now get to use it only for our benefit. We should be giving back of our skills and our abilities to, to God. To, to allow Him to have a portion of this. This is why we, we, ha, you know, we do ministry in church. This is why we serve each other in the different ministry things that we do, and whether it be Bible study or men's group or women's group or, or, or different events that we do. This is, this is why, right? This is an opportunity for us to give back some of what God has given us. You know, it's so cool. We had this party last night, and my wife, she loves to decorate, and she hadn't decorated for a while. And oh my gosh, you should have seen the offering that she gave to the Lord this week and prepping all the decorations and then come and doing the decorations, get them all set up. I mean, it, it, this is a gift. I do not have the ability to do what she does. But God has given her this amazing gift and a passion to do it, and she rightly gave some of it back to the Lord last night. Got no benefit out of it other than the fact that she, just the joy of being able to do it and give. And, the, and, and God has given all of us different skills, all of us different abilities. If we're only using those skills and abilities to make money for ourselves, then we're missing it. And God's saying, wait a second, where's the portion for me? Do, do, you real, do you recognize that I gave you that? Is there any appreciation for that I gave you those skills and abilities? All right. Not too many eye rolls, that's pretty good. <laughs> Everybody was like, don't do it, he's going to go an extra five minutes. All right, so giving, this is, um, again, tough topic, but, you know, I think, you know, it, honestly, in my life, it's been a challenge. I've, you know, and been a pastor for a long time, but that doesn't mean I'll still struggle with some of these things, and this is one of the ones that I've struggled with at different times in my life, and um, the love of money or the desperation or the dependence on money is a real temptation, I think, for a lot of us, and uh, certainly has been in my life at different times. But I, but I think, you know, we need to get our minds right on this. And when we recognize that everything in this world is God's, 
that was never mine in the first place. And it comes a little bit easier to give it away. But also, I, I think, again, for us to recognize that we're not living for this world. We're not trying to build an earthly kingdom. It's not about having more and more stuff. That, that we would recognize that this is, this is just a brief little period of time, and then we get an amazing mansion in heaven, right? I mean, that, that for all eternity, we're going to have the best place. And so to try to build up this life and this kingdom, right, it, it helps to kind of help us to give that away again, just to recognize, ah, it's okay. So may we uh, worship you. Actually, want you to come up. We're going to transition into to communion. communion. But may, may God increase our generosity just individually. And may God just continue to stir our hearts. Um, may we take some time to just maybe just think more about this and say, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do? And, and maybe you're, you're, you're doing great and you're settled on this and you're giving a lot to the Lord and all that's great, but let's go it again. You know, maybe, you know, God, what is it? Maybe you, you've never given. Maybe you struggle with that, and that's just not something that you've been able to do or get a practice in your life. Then I just encourage you to just to take it before the Lord. This is not about a guilt or shame or judgment. This is about, hey, this is, this is our God. This is who we worship. It's his. He gave it to us. How can we be more generous? How can we give some of it back to him to show that we appreciate what he's done for us? And may God, may God also decrease our dependency on this world and on money and decrease our love of money. May God bless us as we freely bless others by giving back to the Lord.